to the end here on our series of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and today we're going to be looking at the passage where Jesus says that when we ask for things, that we will receive those things. And this is a passage that can be very difficult for anyone who has made a request of God in prayer and has not had that prayer answered. And it really does leave people with a lot of questions of how can this scripture be true of us receiving what we ask for when we do ask for things and don't get what we ask for. And I want to address some of those issues and some of those challenges that we face when we look at a passage like this. Um, But let's start by reading through the passage together. So this is Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So there are three words that are used at the start of this passage. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. So let's start today's discussion by breaking down those words a little bit. If you ask for something, you are making a request. You are saying, I would like to have this thing. If you're seeking something, seeking something out, you're pursuing it or studying it. You're trying to understand this thing that you are looking for so that you can grasp it, you can understand it. And if you're knocking, uh, really what a knock is, is you're presenting your case to someone, right? If you're knocking on a closed door, right? usually we don't knock on open doors unless we're just you know, letting somebody know we're there, usually we knock on a closed door to try to get the door to be opened because the door is shut to keep unwanted people out. And so when we knock on the door, usually the response is, well, who is it? And we need to give the case of who we are and and show that we are somebody who should be let in to this house or, or let in through this doorway. And so when we break down the words like that of asking seeking, and knocking, it's important for us to see here that we are instructed to do all three of these things. So we are not simply supposed to ask things of God and never seek answers or plead our case. We need to be doing all three of those things. And when we understand it in that context, that we are to ask and seek and knock, those two second words there, seek and knock, really take the ask part, that request, and it forces us to dive a little bit deeper into understanding that request, right? Because if we're going to seek something, then we're going to be understanding it. We're going to be pursuing it. We're going to know the ins and the outs of that thing. So not only are we asking and making the request to God, 
but we are also seeking when we don't get answers of understanding maybe why we did not get those answers. Or even before we make the request of seeking in our own hearts and our own lives, why are we making this request? And then once we have those answers that we have sought out, we can then knock on the door with the case that we have, pre that we have presented and say, look, this is the request that I am making. This is why I'm making the request. And this is why I believe this prayer should be answered. And if we're coming to God asking, seeking, and knocking, that's so much more than just making a request. It's so much more than just asking. Because now we are understanding a lot more, at least if nothing else, about why we are making that request and why God should answer that request as well. And so in this instruction that Jesus is giving us to not only ask, but to seek and to knock as well, he is moving us into a deeper understanding about the gift that we are trying to receive from God. And it's important that when God gives us gifts, that we have the understanding of the importance of the gift and why God is giving it to us and whether or not we even deserve it in the first place. Because that depth of understanding that we have in this process of receiving a gift is important for us to be able to appreciate it. Because gifts that are given and received without understanding can really lead to someone having a spoiled character. Because they don't really appreciate what it is that they are being given. But when we do understand it, and we do appreciate it, then we can be so much more thankful for those things. Now, the grace of God doesn't require us to always understand what it is that we need or understand the gifts that he's given to us, but he certainly desires that we do have that understanding. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 43 where Jesus is speaking to the Israelites about how he's going to save them once again. And as he's giving them this good news, he kind of adds in this scolding to the good news. In Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 22, God says, Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. So God here in this passage is saying, yeah, Israel, I'm going to free you. I'm going to give you this gift, this blessing. But you really don't deserve it. You haven't been doing any of the things that you're supposed to be doing. So why don't you come over here and why don't you argue your case to me about why you should be rescued? I'm going to rescue you either way, but, but let's talk about this a little bit. And, 
And let's see, is this something that you really deserve? And he's doing this to show them that as they move forward from this moment, that they need to be acting differently than they've been in the past. Because maybe he's not going to come to their rescue next time. Unless they get their act together. And so God, in this passage, is welcoming the Israelites to argue their case with him. And it's not for God's sake, it's for theirs. Because God knows all the details of this case. But what he's trying to do here is help them to be aware of the responsibilities they have that they haven't been fulfilling. And this is not the first time that Israel's case needs to be discussed between Israel and God. Look at when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and he saved them through the plagues that he sent upon Egypt, and brought them out of Egypt, and across the Red Sea, and Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and God gives him the Ten Commandments and Moses goes back down the hill only to discover that the Israelites, who have just received the wonderful gift of deliverance from God, have now formed a golden calf and are worshipping that. Because they didn't truly understand what was done for them and who was doing it for them. And they quickly turned away and towards something that was not God. Their character had clearly been spoiled. And God, in this moment, threatens the Israelites and says, I'm gonna, I've had enough of this. I'm going to wipe them out. And look at what Moses does in that moment. He comes before God pleading the case of the Israelites. And he says, God, before you wipe out the Israelites, I just want to remind you that if you do this, People are going to see it. The Egyptians are going to see it. The surrounding settlements are going to see it. And they're going to say, oh, you only, you only brought the Israelites out here to smite them. And don't you remember you made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you would let their people be prosperous? And God, uh, if those are the facts of this case, maybe let's not smite the Israelites today. And Moses, in making that case before God, says that God then relented and did not carry out the threat that he made. Now we could go into the theology of what looks like God is changing his mind even though he never makes any mistakes and, and what's all that about, but we, we, can, we can save that for another time. But what I really want to highlight is this idea of Moses coming before God, not just making a request. Right? Not just saying, oh God, please don't smite them. But he brings this full case before God. Saying, this is what you have promised. And if you do this course of action, this is what people are going to say about you. And this is who you are. And this is who we are. And this is who you've called us to be as your chosen people. And in this argument that he makes, because of this case that he presents, God's hand is affected. Now when we pray and we bring our request before God, that's very much what we are trying to do, isn't it? We're trying to affect the hand of God in our lives. 
And with that in mind, I want us to really pay attention to these examples that are being given here. Because we do not want to take the gifts of God for granted and simply throw out these requests before God when we are not upholding any part of our responsibility. But instead of just asking, that we are seeking and knocking as well, and being like Moses and bringing that case before God, that's what we should be doing instead. Or rather, what we should be doing in addition to the request. And so we want to be careful with the attitude that we have while we're doing this. Because the goal here isn't to make accusations against God about what he has not done, or make demands of God of what he owes us, right? Job learned that mistake. He learned that God didn't owe him any explanations, and he, had, he couldn't even demand an explanation from God because he didn't deserve an explanation, right? So we don't want to make those demands of God or accuse him of not doing things that we wanted him to do. But what we are called to do in this is to claim what is. God, this is who you are. This is the situation I'm in. This is the request that I am asking for. And I have sought out the reasons why you would want to do this. And so now I'm knocking on your door, presenting to you this case of not only what I want, but reminders of who I am in your eyes and who you are, a good and loving God, and the reasons why I want you to do this thing. And in the process of us doing that, there, there's a purpose to this. It's not in order to somehow convince God or make him aware of things that he's not aware of. We're not trying to manipulate God. We're not trying to teach God, right? Those are things that we cannot do. But in this process of us seeking answers, seeking understanding, and knocking on that door with our request, in this process, we gain a deeper understanding of the gift that we are asking for. And as we make our case to God, we are testing our own heart. Are we asking with the right motivations? And are we asking for something that is selfish, or are we asking for something that is good? Because that's another part of this passage from Matthew, is Jesus points out that our Heavenly Father will give good gifts to those who ask him. Now, there's some key words in those phrases. The first is that our Heavenly Father is giving the gifts they are freely given. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we purchase for with actions or money or good deeds or anything like that. It's something that God freely gives to us, not something that we earn, and that he is going to give us good gifts, gifts that are good for us and good for others as well. He's not going to give us gifts that are good for us and bad for others. In the same way, he won't give us gifts that are bad for us and good for others. He gives whatever gift is good and best. The gift that is good, the gift that is healthy. And the problem is that sometimes the requests that we bring before God and the gifts and blessings that we ask of him 
are things that are not good. And we try to earn it sometimes too. We try to bargain with God. Oh God, if you just do this thing for me, then I'll do this for you. Or, or God, remember all the things I've done for you, right? You owe me this, right? Again, that's you're making a demand of God at that point. That's a bad thing to do. That's not what we want to do. We can't make demands of God, even based off of what we have done. Now we can state the cases. God, I have been faithful for you in these ways. You have said that you will bless those who are obedient to you. And here is this situation where something good needs to happen because it's, on a, it's in a bad direction. It's in a bad place. God, what's going on right now is not good. And something good needs to be needs to happen here. And so God, please let this good thing happen. And and in that way, we begin making our case and we are asking for what is good. Now again, God knows what is best. And sometimes what we think is best is really not best or or what we think is good is really unhealthy for us. And just like any loving father, when a request is made for something that is unhealthy or harmful, the good thing to do in that situation is for that father or our heavenly father to say, no, I'm not going to give you that because that's going to make things worse. Right? Jesus uses the example of a son asking for bread or a fish well, what if we flip that around? What if the son comes and asks for a stone and a snake from his father? Or even more so, if the father knows the son is asking for the stone for his slingshot so he can shoot it at Bobby because Bobby called him a mean name, and the snake he wants to hide in Sally's room to scare her, the father's going to listen to that and say, uh, no, I'm not going to give you that stone and snake because those aren't going to improve your life. That's going to make your life worse. But I'll give you bread. I'll give you fish whenever you ask for it because I know that those are good things for you to have. And sometimes we're asking for things that are unhealthy or destructive without really realizing it because it sounds so good to us, right? As a child, a chocolate shake is wonderful. Let's have a chocolate shake for dinner every night this week. Chocolate shakes are good. They taste nice. They make me happy. I like them. So God, can I have a chocolate shake every night? Dad, can I have a chocolate shake every night this week? Well, the response, if we've got a good father here, is no, you cannot have a chocolate shake for dinner every night this week because that's going to be awful for you. You're going to get stomach aches. You're going to get all this. <laughs> it's not good. It's not healthy. No, I'm not going to give you that. Oh, but dad, what if I what if I do all my chores? Or what if I mow the lawn? Or what if I take out the trash? Or, or don't you remember I, I helped you clean the garage last night? I did that for you, so don't you think you owe me this? See, this is how we treat God sometimes, where we're bringing requests before God, and it sounds good to us, but we haven't really taken the time to seek whether or not it's a good thing and really make a good request, really make a good case before God 
All we're doing is asking for things. We're asking for what we want. And God, because he is good and loving, is saying, no, I'm not going to give you that because it's not the right thing to ask for. And I want to give you a good gift. But I want to give you a gift that will be good in the long term and not just the temporary. And I know this might seem like a really good thing that you are asking for. But I promise you, I know what I'm doing. And if I granted this request, especially without your understanding of all that's happening here, it's not going to make things better. And you just have to trust me with that. And that's difficult to do, but again, it's not being done out of hate. It's not being done to put us down. It's being done out of love. And we need to, if we do not understand why God is not answering a request, then we probably need to do some more seeking and knocking. We need to come before God and say, Okay, God, this seems like a good thing to me. But show me what I'm missing. And what is your good will that wants to be done in this situation? And to let God show us what his good will is. So that we can move forward into what is good, rather than just what sounds good or what is sweet. Because really sweet things, almost every time, more often than not, what is sweet is unhealthy. And it's that bitter medicine, it's that, it's those yucky greens that are going to be healthy and much better for us in the long run. And God knows that. And we need to trust him with that. So we say, okay, I understand God is good. Yes. Okay, you understand God wants to give you good things, good gifts. Yes, I understand that. And you sometimes even feel like, you, you deserve some of those good gifts from God, right? Well, yeah, I probably wouldn't want to admit that, but, you know, I feel like he could give me some blessings and, and that would be fair. Okay, okay. So you, you have this understanding that a good God would give good gifts to others. Yes, okay. Well, do you remember that you are God's ambassador And do you remember that it's God's will for his church to act as his hand, doing his work, outstretched across all of this world? So if God wants to give good gifts to people, and we are meant to carry out the good work of God, wouldn't it make sense that we have a much larger role in this gift-giving process than simply being the recipient of those gifts and the recipients of those blessings? You see, the last verse I read today is often called the golden rule. Do to others what you would have them do for you. But that verse starts with the word, so... So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And that verse is put into the context of this passage of asking for things and receiving for things, and understanding that a good father, even a good earthly father, 
gives good gifts to his son when he asks for them. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father will give us good gifts when we ask. So, if you are to be like God, if you are to emulate the character of God and follow Christ's example, and you believe that a good God would give good gifts, you see where we're going with this? So then, go and do likewise. Go and be a gift giver, just like you want come to God so often bringing your requests and what you want from God and the gifts you want to receive from God and all of these requests that you make before him of things that you want to be given to you and the help that you want to receive. In that same way, go and be the giver of those gifts to others who are asking for them. Do not only put the focus on yourself as the recipient of gifts, and do not expect God to come to your beck and call whenever you want him to. Let him send you to go be his gift to someone else and help them. Just like you want to receive those gifts, go and be the gift to someone else. Jesus takes this responsibility of giving these gifts and answering these requests, and he puts that responsibility back on us. Now, that doesn't mean that God won't give us any gifts or any blessings, but he is challenging us here. He's calling us to be the answer to prayer for other people. He's pointing out here that a good gift-giving structure is not a one-way street. This isn't just about you receiving gifts from God. It is also you, like what the Israelites missed, taking care of the responsibilities that God has given you in your relationship with him and making sure that you are giving back to God as well and that as God is reaching out to the world, that you are taking part in his work and going and being his arm, being his ambassador, being his love present in the world through the work that he wants to do through you in other people's lives. Do not simply be a gift receiver. Be a gift giver. And when we come before God and all we do is request gifts from him. And we do not take any responsibility for our own life, any responsibility for obeying God's commands. Then God looks at us and I'm sure he goes, well, why should I keep giving you gifts? All you're doing is keeping it for yourself. And you're not giving anything in this relationship, let alone in this world that I put you in and the people around you, that I put you in their life, not for them to be there just for you, but for you to be there for them in their time of need. And you've received so many gifts from me already that you're not very thankful for. You definitely spend more time asking me for things than thanking me for what I've already given you. Why don't you take some of what I've given to you and put it to work and go 
and bless others with it. But instead, we just bring more requests before God and try to make our relationship with God like a relationship that no one would be supportive of on earth between two people. I knew a girl who would constantly ask people for things. She would ask to borrow things. She would ask to have them. One time in particular, we were at a party. There was a bunch of different people there. And in the midst of it, she sees a movie by their TV, grabs a movie, goes over to the person who lives there, and is like, hey, can I borrow this movie? I really wanted to see this movie. I really want to watch it. Can I borrow it? Please, 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 please. Right in the middle of everybody. And this was not uncommon. She was always, always asking people to do things for her, asking people if she could have some of their things. She would ask to borrow things and then lose it and, and never give it back. And time and time again, she found herself abandoned by those around her. Because everyone was so tired of her doing nothing except asking them for things. Because that's not a good, it's not a good friendship, it's not a good relationship. But so often we do that with God. And, you know, when I, when I preach these sermons at my church, I have a PowerPoint, and I, and I like to have a little picture for every illustration that I use. And as I was looking up pictures of someone asking for something, I came across one picture, and, and the caption for that picture, it had two different captions. One was either a, a person who was asking for something, or begging, I think was the word it used, someone begging for something. And the other caption was, someone in prayer. And this picture could have been described either way. So it had both of those descriptions there, as someone who was begging to have something or someone who was praying. And I think that speaks volumes about how many of our prayer lives are. That is really little more than just begging God for things. God, please, 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 please let me have this. And then getting frustrated when we don't get it and begin demanding it of God. Bargaining with him. And accusing him of doing us wrong when he doesn't give it to us. And Jesus is instead is saying, just as how a good father gives good gifts, just as how those who ask and seek and knock will find what they're looking for and will receive what they're looking for, because it will be a good gift by that point, because you've checked your heart, and God wants to give you those good gifts freely. But in that same way, go and do likewise. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Do for others what you would want God to do for you. Because aren't you supposed to be emulating his character? But we can become so focused on what we want to get that we stop paying attention to what we have to give. And we stop giving. And we certainly don't give anywhere near as much as what we ask for, from God and from others. And we need to shift our focus from what we can get 
instead to what we can give. Because the gifts, things, even blessings, they're never more important than the ones that they come from. Gift givers are always more important than the gifts they give. That applies to God. God is so much more, so much greater than the gifts that he gives us. He is so much, so much more than just his blessings. And we shouldn't dilute him down to just what he gives us. And our relationship with him needs to go so much more deeper than that. And we need to be gift givers for others as well. Not just looking for what we can get, but what we can give. So let's remember that. Let's, let's have an attitude shift. And we can continue to ask. We are encouraged to ask. You have not because you ask not. So this isn't to say never ask. Just don't place more importance on the gift than the gift giver. And don't just, don't just beg God for things again and again and again. Let God seek your heart. Understand what it is you're asking for, and is it really important? And is it God's will? Is it something you need? Is it something that will further the cause of his kingdom? Or is it just going to be something that's sweet for you? And again, don't make this gift-giving process a one-way street. Go and, and be a gift to others. Go and, and show others the love that God has shown you and the love that you want God to show you, the love that you want to receive from others. What you want others to do for you, go and do for others. Go and be the gift, not the recipient. And that applies to people, and that applies to your relationship with God as well. Be gift givers. And that's today's sermon in the pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, like it, share it, all those good things to help boost the program and, and make it more visible for others to see. But until next time, I do pray that God will bless you that his face will shine upon you, that he will look favorably upon you. And I pray that you have a wonderful day as well. Thank you for taking the time to listen.